right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that is technically a medical podcast because it heals the soul. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you passable facsimile of one of the lesser Greek gods. How you doing, brother? It's game week. Oh, it feels so good to hear that. It doesn't hasn't sunk in that it's game week yet, but just knowing deep down it is. I don't know what day of the week it is, but I know Michigan plays sometime. We're definitely in those lost days in between the holidays where uh, you kind of just meld into a couch, forget what day it is. I don't know. You couldn't couldn't tell me what day it is right now. I have no idea. Ah. It's uh, a snowy day in Seattle, and, and it all blends together. But I do know that at some point this week on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, excuse me, there will be a Michigan football game. I can't wait, man. It's 70 degrees here, so the time of the year even feels strange on the East Coast. But, yeah, good things are on the horizon. And as Michigan fans, we're used to this time of the year just being, you know, depressing, thinking about next season, spring ball, us planning offseason content. But instead, instead, we get to talk about Georgia. Yeah, I know. Usually we're like previewing the Outback Bowl against South Carolina and kind of already prepping the offseason content. But yeah, we have a whole game to talk about. What uh, what will you be doing for New Year's Eve? How will you be consuming this game? So my girlfriend is actually traveling to Miami. So I'm going to go to her apartment and lock myself in there alone and watch this game in the most isolated, safest environment possible by myself. It's an apartment. What's her neighbor's situation? Oh, they're cool. They're fine. Uh, one lady's kind of deaf and the other one, I don't know, she does things with like yoga. So it's all good. <laughs> they're they're going to hear some odd noises coming out of that, that apartment. I mean, noth- I mean, they're used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played, sir. All right. So uh, Michigan basketball will play on the 30th. They have still off, just paused after that uh, last cancellation of COVID. So we're going to kind of skip past that for this one. And there is some other football news outside of uh, just the Georgia game. Uh, Virginia transfer Ola Segan Oluwatami. I apologize if I got that wrong. Uh, We will get it right eventually. Um, Along with Andrew Gentry, who also transferred from Virginia. But we uh, we definitely want to touch on the center transferring. He was a Remington Award candidate, one of the highest graded uh, run blockers of in the in the country last year, transferring to Michigan. This is a huge get. This is massive. We're just going to call him the Big O until we properly learn his name because we owe him that respect. We owe him that. Yeah, I'll see myself out. Leave. (laughs) But no, he excels at run blocking. He's a highly graded pass blocker as well. And this bolsters already the three returning linemen from left to right of Hayes at left tackle, Keegan at left guard, now Big O at center, Zenter at right right guard, and then presumably Carson Barnhart at right tackle. It's unbelievable that the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line could be even better next season. It likely will be. That right tackle battle is going to be fascinating because now you have Andrew Gentry also coming in at 6'8", and this is a 20-year-old dude, so I mean, this isn't like a true freshman coming in. He's been on that mission trip. So Barnhart, um, Gentry, and then also Trente Jones, who they obviously love, are going to battle it out for that right tackle spot. And yeah, this is going to be a very deep offensive line, extremely talented, and uh, yeah, you're you're not going to miss a step now. You know, when you lose Vastardis and replace him with another Remington Award candidate and 
just, I think you got it right there from left to right. Just that right tackle will be the, the one that needs to get sorted out. And that's, that's nasty. That is a <laughs> lot of big dudes, man. And, and that's already, that's even not mentioning uh, Scooney and Eric all both coming back at tight end. So the front is going to be, could be even nastier next year. And coaches were calling him this already. And it just feels like an apt nickname. They were calling him Sharon Joe Moore. I'm like that is so, so perfect. I love that um, potential nickname for uh, for double O there. If he gets a 70 or if he can pry away 77 from Trevor Keegan, I really doubt that. I don't think anyone's prying anything away from Trevor Keegan, <laughs> but double O 70 would be a pretty sweet nickname. So here's hoping he pulls the number 70. Just just something we could even call Trevor Keegan like TK 77. It just sounds good. Like we need to go through with the offensive line and give them their just do with nicknames. Like it, TK. Isn't that uh, the stormtrooper call out from Star Wars? I'm a giant nerd, so actually, you can just ignore that question. I- I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> we got some uh, Michigan Wolverines in the NFL. We haven't really talked about that this season, but there are some updates. Um, some guys maybe outperforming their ranking. Some guys, um, you know, maybe not so as, as much. So, uh, who do you want to touch on first? Let's talk about Donovan Peoples Jones because there was a very controversial call involving him this weekend for the Browns as they lost. And as Michigan fans know, against Michigan State, sometimes holds on slants aren't called, especially on fourth downs. And sometimes, I think this was on first, excuse me, and some result in turnovers like this one did. DPJ was snug tightly by the jersey, pulled away, and led to a game-ending interception for the Browns. So they're struggling in playoff position. But without Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry off injured, uh, DPJ's had a quietly good season this year. He's their leading receiver with 483 yards, tied uh, as the leading touchdown getter with three touchdowns. Uh, Do you think that Baker Mayfield will be throwing him his passes next season? No, but I also don't want to be too hard on Baker Mayfield. It's a little in vogue to pile on right now, but he's playing with what, like a torn labrum or something in his non-throwing shoulder, so you know that's going to impact him somewhat. But unfortunately, I do think it'll be somebody else throwing him the ball next year. I think so as well. I'm not here to pile on. You and I are both in Baker's corner and really want him to work out. Yeah, he's got like seven injuries, but also threw like seven passes that were either intercepted or should have been intercepted uh, in that game. So we'll we'll see. Um, But I I would like to think that a better quarterback situation, uh, DPJ could really pop. He's he's super talented, man, as we've always known and kind of number one receiver type of stuff at this point. Yeah, and speaking of former Michigan receivers, I mean, I know we all had this on our bingo card that Davis Mills would throw Nico Collins his first career touchdown this week. Naturally, yeah. Uh, That one, uh, some things you just see coming. And uh, (laughs) Davis Mills, whose neck I can see from here, a dude has an unreal neck. I want to do a whole podcast about it. Uh, But him... He actually looks like a pretty solid pickup for for them, and he might get his a, a whole shot like at this and and get the reins for next year. But Nico Collins, first career touchdown for the Houston Texans. Uh, he just looks like Andre Johnson in that uniform. Like it, it, it looks right. I like that, and it's good for our boy Nico because the Houston Texans are no longer the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL, thanks to Urban Meyer. We appreciate that. Allow our boy Nico to have a chance in Houston now that he's healthy and everything. It seems like he's going to be a right fit, and if they found their quarterback in the second round last year, I believe, that's a huge win for Nico. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely big enough. And and once again, I'd like to hearken back to that neck. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's uh, it's, it's formidable. It's a formidable <laughs> neck. Who you got? You got Davis Mills neck or, or Ed Werner's chin? 
Um, Ed Werner is aware. FIU. I don't know. Give me Davis Mills. <laughs> ten, ten eight round. <laughs> uh, Rashawn Gary leading the Packers in sacks and quarterbacks hit, quarterback hits. He's got eight and a half sacks on the season, quietly having a really, really good year for them. This is awesome. He's really stepped up in the absence of Zadarius Smith, who I believe is coming back. So now those two, along with Preston Smith, who's been there, could really make a run here. I mean, the Packers have been rolling, but getting all their defensive players back, as much as it would honestly pain me to watch Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl, this Packers team is poised to do it. I could very well see them. I think they're probably favorites. Uh, obviously, Kansas City coming on in the AFC, they're going to be a problem. And, and our boy, the GOAT, uh, down in Tampa Bay is going to have his say in this thing before it's all said and done. But yeah, that would be one good thing about Green Bay winning is we get to see uh, both uh, Runyon and uh, and Gary win a, win a championship. I'd be all right with that. I'd be great with that. It's good because you and I always defended Rashawn Gary, and especially if we see it now. Imagine if Gary got to play in this Mike McDonald scheme where he could stand up and see the field and everything. Oh, my God. He'd be devastating. So it's nice to see him have this success because a lot of people just like to be critical. But as Jake Butt told us on our podcast last week, subtle name drop, that stats don't tell the story. They're very misleading, and that was never never been more of the case than it was with Rashawn Gary. I hope Jake Butt doesn't think I'm a stats guy. I only presented that just to, you know, because the stat, you know. God, when Jake Butt would refute us, I just felt so stupid and small. I'm like, you're right. You're so right. (laughs) I'm so wrong. I'm insignificant. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely had some self-loathing and soul-searching afterwards. Like, how do I see football and how do I be more like Jake Butt? Right. Um, maybe play tight end for like eight years. (laughs) B66. That'd be a next start. Uh, Jabril Peppers having a good season uh, for the Giants before injury. That is also in the running for one of the most dysfunctional franchises right now. And I just I don't know where they go. Um, Almost would like to see him get traded somewhere. So he gets like a chance at a playoff run, maybe somewhere before his career ends. It would be nice. And I feel like you and I have been making Dave Gettleman jokes since this podcast began, which you probably have. have. (laughs) So, yeah, they're almost all tired at this time. It's like there's no more to make. It's kind of a joke. That franchise is in complete disarray. So I'd love to see him get traded for some picks or something. Just go anywhere. Just somewhere where you can succeed and, like, really maximize his potential. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd even rather see him on the Lions than than on that Giants team. They're going nowhere. Um, and the Lions, I don't know. Two wins, I get it, but no, I, I see something there. Once they get Aiden Hutchinson. A ton of one score losses. Like that's gonna that's gonna balance back. Like it just doesn't doesn't normally happen this way. Same thing for like one score victories. Like so I think the Lions will bounce back and next season it would not surprise me to see them win like six or seven games. I think they'll win six or seven next year as well. Yeah, this is the first year of a rebuild. So uh, this is not an NFL podcast. So we <laughs> uh, we'll touch on the uh, the guys, the triumvirate of Mike Onwenu, Chase Winovich, and Josh Uche in New England. Uh, Uche kind of just got buried, it looks like, bringing in Judon, and, and then he's behind Winovich and Van Noy and some of those guys anyway. Um, but uh, Winovich coming off of IR, so hopefully his role is going to increase. But I, I watched a couple New England games this year and haven't seen much of them. Yeah, both of them are like looking for position and things like that. Both have been injured and come in, on and off of IR. COVID issues might see them make more of an impact in the coming weeks. And I believe they've lost two straight, so the team kind of might could use that spark. Yes, absolutely. And uh, his hair still looks just delightful on the sidelines. I mean, you talk about a flowing salad. He's still got it. Chase, there will never be Chase Winovich slander on this podcast in any sorts. 
Like, no, never. That's not what we're here for. No, Chase Winovich could have like a zero, like could have post all zeros, be the worst graded PFF player, and you and I would still find a positive to spin it. If he pushed an elderly man into traffic, we'd find a good way to spin it. I'd be like, did you see that red light? A little bit slow there. A little bit slow. <laughs> I need to talk to someone in the Department of Transportation. That does something fishy. We are the Sultans of Michigan's spin here. So I trust Chase Winovich. We have your back, sir. Sultans of spin. I really enjoy that. I don't think you can like give yourself a nickname, but uh, here's to hoping that catches on. Wait, I can give us collectively a nickname, I think. I feel like that's acceptable. I like it. Uh, I got to take a moment, talk about home field apparel out of Indianapolis, where we will be coming in a few weeks. I can sense it. Mm. The incredible, incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand with the largest and most comprehensive selection of college apparel in the game right now. Hopefully you're a Michigan fan. If not, look inward and look to home field to get yourself taken care of with whatever college brand that you want. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Andy, I'm fired up. You ready for some rapid fire again? Let's do it. Haven't looked at these, not prepped, just fresh. I know. I uh, I made sure to hide them in the dock so you couldn't look. Appreciate that. Yeah, dude, I got you. <laughs> not that, I, I mean, you're a man of honor. I know you wouldn't. Naturally. Right. Let's, let's get into it. All right, let's do this. Rank the awards that Michigan won this season, either by a player or a coach, in terms of what it meant to Michigan's success. So you've got the Aiden Hutchinson with the Labardi and the Ted Hendricks. You've got the Joe Moore uh, Offensive Line Award. You got Josh Gaddis winning the Broyles. And then you got Moody winning the Lou Groza. And then there were several media um, and, and such giving Harbaugh Coach of the Year as well. So if you wanted to touch on those, you could on any of the media awards. Hardball was AP coach of the year. And I think if we're, if we would include that one, it'd have to be number one because he was brought back and made all the changes and cha- I mean, did all that. So it all stemmed from him. But that aside, I would say offensive line one, I would say Josh Gaddis two, Aiden Hutchinson three off that list. And then uh, Moody winning the Groza somewhere down it's, towards the bottom. It's nice. It's I, I mean I'm I mean I'm ranking like my favorite types of high end champagne right now. So there's not really a wrong answer. And, and he kicked one field goal the last month of the year, and I was glad to see it. But yeah, there's no like love money and Moody, but come on. <laughs> we didn't need, we didn't even need him in the last uh, last month of the year. We were scoring yeah. touchdowns, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I actually agree with that ranking. I think that is correct. Correct. After Hutch, which current Wolverine will have the biggest impact in the NFL? Anybody or just draft eligible players this season? Anybody. <clears throat> That's I like that. I'm going to go. Man, good question. I know. <laughs> I'm going to say Dax Hill. I, we're, we're going to touch on some of those rumors. I think there's a lot of ways you can go here. I like the impactful safety position. I think he can play a few different positions in the NFL from special teams to nickel corner to free safety to strong. So I like that versatility, and I don't think he's very scheme dependent. I really enjoy that answer. That's well thought out. Uh, I, I got one more for you. Calling my shot, J.J. McCarthy. That's, I, I like the shot, man. Shoot it. Shoot or shoot. My shot. That's what shooters do. Michigan b- basketball will make the NCAA tournament. True or false? True. Correct. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Waste of a question. Yeah. Uh, Musa Diabate is a better pro prospect right now than Caleb Houston. True or false? 
True. I think Houston definitely needs a second season from what I've seen right now. I think Musa is more raw, but still possesses the higher ceiling. I agree with you. I think that draft analysts are still going to value Houston for the position that he plays, his length, and his ability to shoot the three-pointer. But I see it with Diabate, and I think he should be above Caleb Houston right now as far as uh, draft rankings. The, the, right. thing with, the thing with Houston, real quick before we move yeah, on, please. is it feels like he moves really slow. Like It feels like he's like slower in the game and, and like not really caught up to the collegiate speed yet. And that's what worries me about him like at the next level. He also doesn't have elite athleticism, so that's going to kind of cap his ceiling on what yeah. he could be, whereas Musa Diabate is a really good athlete and can shoot, and I think that we're going to more positionless basketball, and he can guard four. I mean, he's not going to guard the one, but everything else is probably in play for a lot of guys, so uh, I'm with you there. All right, name me the three best Samuel L. Jackson roles ever. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna come prepared son this is georgia week we're in the orange bowl this is georgia week i'm gonna go uh, obviously i i'm a, you know i'm a huge pulp fiction fan i hate to have a pulp fiction tattoo so i'm gonna go Jul, i'm gonna go jules winfield's in there i'm gonna think this through i'm gonna go Django's really high up there Django's good and I want to try to think of a non-Tarantino role for Samuel Jackson. Um, I want to say snakes on a plane because of you and I and who we are as human <laughs> beings. Um, uh, uh, that's acceptable. Uh, we would have preferred uh, Deep Blue Sea, but we will accept <laughs> snakes on a plane. We could even say Jurassic Park if we're really getting to the nitty gritty of this. Right, right. But his role in that, you know, he's got to hold on to your butts and that's about it. That's pretty good. The man can smoke a cigarette. Um, yeah. where do you value unbreakable in this? Uh, lower. It, it probably, yeah. I'm going to give all of the, uh, the, even Jackie Brown, I'm going to put above that. Yeah. I, he's, he's really good in that. I would say for sure. I think my one and two are Jules and, um, whatever his name is in Django and I'm open for a third. Uh, yeah. Hateful eight would, would be pretty high up there for me as well. I love that movie. Just but, the, uh, the man and Tarantino together, truly like the Phil Jackson and like Kobe Bryant really is what a pairing. All right. Give me a better name for the Washington football team than football team. The Washington carpets. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the Washington blankets, the Washington doormats, uh, the Washington Optimus primes. I mean, take your pick. <laughs> I've got two. The Washington Swamp Rats or the Washington <laughs> Revolution? One ridiculous one and one that you could actually go with. Revolution's pretty tough. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Remove your bias. Which of the following players are you taking? Because you might know some of these stats. Player A, 2,325 yards at 64% completion, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Okay? Player B, 2,470 yards, 64% completion, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. And player C, 3,061 yards, 56% completion, 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Do you need me to read any of those back? Again, in defense of everything Jake Butt said, these stats, I mean, <laughs> don't tell the whole story. I know that. What was, I think I'm taking, I think I'm going A, C, then B. A, C, then B. Correct. You ranked it Stetson Bennett, Shea Patterson, and then our boy Cade McNamara. Really? Off the top? That's interesting. Yep. 
Yep, that's, that's and, why and, we do it. And then you and then you take all that out. It's like I think I'd go the complete reverse order. I think I would go <laughs> Cade, Stetson, then Shea. If you go on Q, uh, QBR, Stetson Bennett has the highest QBR at 176. Uh, uh, Cade McNamara has the second highest at 145. Shea Patterson has the lowest at 139. I could have told you that. I mean, <laughs> been watching this for a while, but we'll, we'll get into some Stetson Bennett thoughts because we have thoughts. Yes, we definitely have thoughts. All right. My lock of the year was that Michigan would have the most improved defense in the nation. I hit my lock. What is your lock of next year? Michigan's offensive line will be better. Ooh, I love it. That is some heat, and I think you're right. Oh, actually, I'll give you I'll give you one more. Blake Corum rushes for more yards than Hassan Haskins did this year. I like it. I like it. Hot, getting some hot takes here early on. There'll be plenty more where that came from, but I like those. Ones. You think that's hot? You just wait till me. Wait till we get to March. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm already ready for it. All right, last one. Is there a world where Cincinnati beats Alabama? There, of course, there's a world. I think it's a few galaxies away, but there is a world out there where they beat them or they keep it close and make it ugly. This Alabama team is not the Alabama team of old. The offensive line has questions, worry about their rushing offense, uh, especially anybody on that offense really outside of Bryce Young and Evan Neal and the one receiver. So I think they can scheme it up. They have some pieces to move around. Still taking the tide by two touchdowns. I'd be shocked if they lost, but it's not completely inconceivable. I agree. Obviously, there is a world where it can happen. I mean, you don't go undefeated and have the record that they did. I mean, they beat Notre Dame. That's that's a legit, very quality win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would need to play almost a perfect game to beat Alabama. Yeah, and they have the corners to match up with some of the passing offense to make it fun and competitive. So, no, it, it's going to be an exciting game. But still, I, I favor Nick Saban in this team by a couple scores. If Sauce Gardner can neutralize Jamison Williams, I mean, yeah, you've got a shot, and that's definitely a matchup I'll be watching. First of all, Sauce Gardner, who do you, which which name is better, Sauce Gardner or Smoke Monday? <laughs> Sauce Gardner, just because he's just so high level, and his, his I've oh my god, what a sauce and smoke. There's even a guy out there named Decoldest. Like names are just getting ridiculously awesome now, and I'm named Andy, and you're Jared. <laughs> You can legally change it. There's nothing saying you can't. You're an adult. But that's like that's even worse than giving yourself a nickname, though. Yeah. <laughs> Changing it to something like Thor Brunson. Exactly. Andy's now known as Decoldist, so enjoy this. <laughs> I'd call you that happily. God. It's like, it's interesting. like you talk about forcing things onto somebody, be worse than the Matrix 4. <laughs> Man, talk about a swing and a miss. <laughs> I swung deep. They didn't even make contact. <laughs> no, no, I did not enjoy that movie. But I mean, hey, everyone's free to have uh, your own opinions about these things. But the new Matrix, I, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah, you like what you like. But if you enjoy the Matrix 4, you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, that's a good time to take a break. When we come back, it's all Georgia, baby. It's Orange Bowl week. Uh, did a bit of a deep dive on Georgia. So we're going to break this down with, uh, you know, our our brand of analysis here when we get back. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are on to Georgia, New Year's Eve. This is a big one. And I've been able to do a little bit of a deep dive over the past couple of days on this Georgia team, and I'm feeling uh, dangerously confident. 
absolutely the same. Like I hate this feeling. Like I know as Michigan fans, we're just like built in with this innate sense of dread, and that keeps like just coming out of me in certain ways because I'm just like, oh God, no, you can't feel good. This can't happen. No, Hassan hasn't. No, no. So it's very strange to me to feel this confident, but also that just innate sense, like it keeps batting me down, but it kind of keeps me, you know, level, which I appreciate coming into this game. So we were kind of talking about this off air. I think part of it is we're playing with house money. I mean, we're in the playoff. That still hasn't even hit me yet. It's still not real to me. So the fact that we've already gotten to this point, we already beat Ohio State, we already won the Big Ten Championship, you couldn't kill my mood, even like if Georgia came out and curb stomped us, which I don't think they will be able to do. You just you couldn't kill my mood. No, there's not a chance. I think it's 99% likely that they, that doesn't happen. But even if it did, it's we won the Big Ten. We beat Ohio State. We achieved all these goals we didn't even think were possible. I mean, the sky was falling after what happened in Lansing, and now we're three, four days away from the college football playoff. Come on. I got to say, we were pretty measured after the loss in Lansing, though. Like, neither of us were too far down. We were like, I don't know. Like, that was a pretty good loss if there is such a thing. We just couldn't tackle Kenneth Walker. So I wouldn't say, like, we thought the sky was falling, but for a lot of people, it, it was. No doubt at all. My favorite horn to toot is definitely my own. So, yeah, we were we were, <laughs> we were measured after that. And everything was still in front of them. They proved us right and scored 42 points the last two weeks of the year. Beat Ohio State. I mean, anything is possible at this point. Look, I'm probably going to have to have early back surgery for all the padding of the back that we do here. But look, whatever. It feels good, and uh, and I like it. So yeah. let's, let's yeah. get into this here. Uh, where do you want to start on Georgia? Should we start with the defense? Because that's uh, that's really what they're known for. That's the headline. Let's start with the defense and let's start with Kirby Smart up top. I mean, ever since he got there, the first thing he did was bolster recruiting. He'd been previously under Nick Saban for several years as defensive coordinator, and he came in and made an immediate splash. Already had a playoff appearance, national championship appearance, and then this season, I believe Georgia was preseason five, and then built them into this monstrosity throughout the season that hasn't given up, what, more than 17 points all year? Except uh, Alabama, yeah, in the, in the SEC championship. That was the first time all year that they gave up more than 17. They, uh, on average, give up 9.5 points per. Now, Dan Lanning, as we know, took the job at Oregon, and he is splitting his time. So he will be coaching in this. But I have to imagine that that is, that's got to be difficult, trying to serve two masters there. And I was, I was trying to think about this. Where would your head be at? Where would you be more focused if you, you know, you had that Oregon job? Now, this is tough because you're putting yourself in the, in the mind of, of a coach that makes multi-million dollars per year. But would you be more in on the game or would you be more in on getting things ready at Oregon? I feel like it has to be on the future because you're the man up there. You have to focus on recruiting and just several, several moving parts up there to deal with. Like it's hard to just be in the moment anymore. That's the great thing about Gaddis and Mike McDonald is this is everything to them. This is all they have to focus on. They don't have to worry about recruiting, setting up a program, visit, scheduling, approving this and that, orchestrating workouts. Like it's all just this focus. So whether he says it or not, it's at least taking a fraction away, if not more of his attention. I'm going to zag. I think that I think that he actually because it's a national championship is on the line here and those don't come around that often. I have to imagine that he's like, all right, the business at hand here and then maybe putting it on the back burner. I'm going to guess and this is based on absolutely nothing and I have no (laughs) knowledge of the situation. I'm going to go 60 40 national championship 40 Oregon feels right. 
Okay, so he has 40% of his focus at Oregon and not on Michigan. I mean, what's the chances you miss something on offense? You miss a reverse. You miss a play call. It's like you're still taking away a large chunk of your attention for this game. Yeah. Now, granted, they did have the extra weeks to prepare for this one, um, but Kirby Smart has named assistants Will Muskamp and Glenn Schumann as co-defensive coordinators um, to help with that as well. And we know Will Muskamp is a good coordinator. He'll probably be. Do we know? Did he get promoted into that role? I'm not sure, but I love the fact that there's three cooks in the kitchen because, as we learned, it always works out great. Okay. Oh, so they will be co-defensive coordinators after Lanning goes to Georgia, too. So I believe that's the uh, that's the succession plan for next year is Muskamp and Schumann being co-DCs. So, yeah, I mean, that is a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. Granted, these are really intelligent cooks or... Uh, seasoned cooks i don't know what's the cooking analogy here anyway I'm, I'm i think it makes it worse because if you put gordon ramsey bobby flay and whomever else in the kitchen there's going to be controversy and yelling with each other oh i can only imagine based on what i've seen of gordon ramsey i always go with him though the hair just yeah, tremendous salad hair <laughs> but on the georgia defense like as everyone knows in the country, they've been lauded all season in for appropriate reason. Had three shutouts. Only five opponents scored more than twice against them. So they're led by Jordan Davis up front, the Bednarik Award winner. They're also led by N'Kobe Dean, linebacker, the Buckkiss Award winner. Everything is dictated by their front seven. Their secondary has some – they're a little bit the suspect, but they are fast up front and they are big on the interior. So a lot of the focus is going to be on Jordan Davis. Uh, you and I, in watching some of the tape, did not come away as impressed with him as we did with some other guys. I mean, it's kind of absurd that uh, he's the Bednarik winner and Hutchinson wasn't even nominated, even though he was second in Heisman voting. But we've kind of already covered that. It's just nonsensical. But it, like I said, in watching this tape, my player comp for him, one that Michigan fans will know, is uh, former Michigan defensive tackle Will Campbell, who is a monster of a man. And when he shows up, you're like, oh, my God, that is the most talented, largest man I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but then he'll just disappear for for stretches of this game um, of these games. And I watched uh, in Arkansas against Florida and definitely against Alabama. It looked like against Alabama, he flat out gave up. Just the fatigue becomes a factor with somebody that size. Alabama ran the tempo on him, moved the ball, kept him on the field, which he has not been used to all season. So look for Michigan to exploit that as well. And I'm with you. I saw the same thing on tape, but I saw the complete opposite from N'Kobe Dean. I just, you don't see him take plays off. He is incredibly fast. He'll be a highly drafted player. And there are ways we'll get into how you can address him. But N'Kobe Dean is as advertised, if not better. His player comp is super easy. He's Devin Bush. Yeah, he's just, he's got almost the same size, undersized for the position, but plays like he's seven feet tall. Yeah, he definitely pops on tape. He's going to be everywhere. He's going to get into the backfield a couple times. Um, I would imagine him blowing up some of the stuff that we try to run to the outside because um, there's also uh, Tyndall on the other side, who's a little bit bigger at 6'2". Um, also, you know, he's like their third leading tackler. So both of these guys can really get after ball carriers. So, yeah, really concerned about those linebackers. I would say uh, probably the strongest room um, that they have the strongest unit they have is their linebackers on the entire team. Now, how do you think the Michigan offense attacks this defense knowing where their strengths are? So knowing that their strengths are with the linebackers, it's going to be difficult to do what you want to do and try and like slow developing plays outside. Now, I do think our offensive line, and as we saw against uh, in, in the last two games that we've played, we're just a master class of blocking and, and getting to the second level. Um, I do think our guys are good enough that if we can get to the second level, we can 
we can chip on these linebackers enough. Um, but you're going to have to attack the secondary down the field if for no other reason than to get those linebackers a second or a step backwards and get them thinking about the pass. Because um, if they're able to come downhill, it's going to be a long day trying to run on them, even with our super talented running backfield. So um, you're going to need to get vertical. Um, how you attack them, um, you know, I believe that there's one one corner that you were mentioning off air that sounds like he could be a target. And um yeah, I think, you know, getting some stuff down the seam, getting Eric all just keep them keep them guessing enough with your vertical attack that you can open things up for the running backs. Yeah, exactly. And to piggyback off of that, it's Mingo, the cornerback. He can be a little suspect at times, so expect him to go after him early and often. The Gaddis and company have already spoken ad nauseum to the media about how they've seen things about this Georgia defense they can't exploit. And if you recall the last time they spoke that confidently about a defense, it was Ohio State, and they hung 42 points. So I believe what they're seeing. I believe in the scheme, but I think they'll also use a lot of deception to use the speed against the linebackers. They'll use some downhill, just come straight at them, take away their speed. Let's just go pound for pound. Let's fight in a phone booth because the Son Haskins and the Kobe Dean are the exact same size. So let's meet in the middle and let's see who wins. So I think you're going to see some bully ball from them, some deception, and they're going to mix in testing the edges with Corum and having him at full strength cannot be overstated how important it is to have his speed back. And then Haskins downhill. Michigan has the answers to do it, but until they get on the field, we'll see how they execute. Absolutely. I think Temple will be key too, as like you, you mentioned with keeping Jordan Davis gassed and, and like what we saw with Alabama. So maybe run some more tempo here. And uh, I'd like to see some JJ McCarthy in this game. I think that him as a runner could really add another element. And we saw what Bryce Young was able to do against them. So I've just got a weird feeling that JJ McCarthy, like maybe a whole series of McCarthy could be just a wrinkle that, that gives him something else to look at. And he's going to play. It's just a question of how much. Yeah, you could see him, but or even you saw against Iowa, the third and 10 or third and eight, I believe, or maybe even third and 12, they had the quarterback draw with Cade McNamara. So Gaddis is keeping some things in the bag, and if you think he has an added stuff that has not yet been seen on film, you're kidding yourself because you know he's feeling himself more than ever right now, fresh off the broils. So I expect every trick in the book to come out this game, a flea flicker, all of that, and there's going to be a lot of downfield shots. I feel almost com- really confident in saying that. Yeah, I think they are going to try and get vertical on this team because, you know, against Washington, they were they were really smart in their attack. You know, you don't go after a team where their their strength is their secondary by getting super vertical. So that was, uh, you know, there's a uh, a tool for every task. And and I think that this this uh, the offensive coordinators and everybody in the offensive room knows that and they're going to have a really good game plan for this. And, you know, there's just there's a lot of guys on that Georgia defense. You know, it's if five players with at least six tackles for loss, five players with four sacks at least four sacks so you know there's a lot of talent but I, I just I trust our our guys to be ready for this one I do too this will be I believe the second best offense they face all season especially the way they're playing right now behind Alabama the best offensive line this unit has faced and also expect limited substitutions on certain drives I think they'll get a group in there and they'll keep Davis on the field and just like really grind on him throughout this game because I believe he's six six every bit of 340 to 360 on a given day. So a lot of humanity to be dragging around out there. So they're going to keep him on the field, keep him tired. So by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, expect lots of Hassan Haskin carries. Can't imagine how strong your skeleton needs to be to just carry that around day in and day out. That sounds exhausting. I just I would just be holding a help sign because I don't think I could speak anymore and my legs wouldn't work. Just help. <laughs> just like dragging around a Kia soul on your back all day. That's ridiculous.
it's it, we're not the same species like we're just not yeah, just when they say built different literally yeah yeah like aiden hutchinson where you're telling me that's the same species as me i'm not buying it so now i think the key matchups here speaking of kia souls on your back are going to be <laughs> trevor keegan and Vastardis against davis and i think eric all going eric all and luke schoonmaker going against these linebackers i love it i see it pretty much uh exactly the same way but uh add in there i don't know who it's going to be cornelius johnson coming on a little bit towards the end of the season um you know we're big and andrew anthony and roman wilson guys um so i'm gonna go hmm, in this one i'm gonna go roman wilson roman wilson against mingo as well how many michigan players attempt a pass in this game great question <laughs> it's clearly the over under is two yeah it's it's two and a half yeah Yeah, two and a half um i'm gonna go two i think so as well i think they might like hint at like a swing pass or something just to keep the corners further back in the secondary and open up space but i would be surprised if there's another double pass i mean we know donovan edwards has an absolute rope on him so i'd be here for it donovan edwards jj mccarthy throwing the ball who throws it further I mean, I'd be fascinated to see it play out. Well, that's all I could say. Um, you ready to move over to the offense? Yes. Let's talk about Georgia's offense. All right. So Georgia's offense, I think you had the comp. What was it? Uh, the 2018 Wolverines offense? Or were you talking about their defense? I was talking about their defense with the speed covering up the secondary sins. Okay. Well, I, we we did the numbers game earlier, and you had uh, Cade McDam- or excuse me, you had Shea Patterson behind Stetson Bennett there. So it does kind of remind me of like our Shea Patterson offense because Stetson Bennett, he's very Cade-esque in that he would prefer to live in the under the 15-yard routes and take some shots sparingly. But he's got more wheels than Cade, so he's a bit of a Shea Patterson. And I was a little bit more impressed with the Stetson Bennett tape on on rewatch than I thought I would be. He's he's a little more athletic than I thought. He is athletic, deceptively quick. Kind of reminds me of Sean Clifford with his elusiveness. Like you don't think you think he's going to rush for six yards, but he turns it into eighteen or twenty. Just like oh, okay, he can cut, he can do things. He's deceptively athletic. But the thing is with Stetson Bennett is he has not had to play under duress or stress very much at all this season. No, you're absolutely right. And they do like to roll him out quite a bit where he obviously prefers to roll right. He throws right handed, but you'll see him roll both ways. They run some RPO stuff with him. Actually, not a ton, but I did see some RPO stuff thrown into uh, some of the tape that I watched, I think, against Arkansas. So they, they trust him as a runner. And when things break down, yeah, he definitely can take off. So our linebackers are going to have to be disciplined with that. Um But they really this is a team that really wants to run the football. You know, that's where they want their their. Um, bread to be buttered and it's weird because as georgia you think of like running back you with like todd Gurley, going back to herschel walker nick chubb sony michelle deandre swift but this is really like a unit that is just fueled by their depth there's about five of them that rotate in and out no real just true stud no travion henderson you're looking to shut down but they will stay fresh back there and they'll just keep pounding bodies at you skill position they're kind of limited george pickens coming off the acl in march has had some issues here and there with explosiveness tackle injuries so they want to pound it on the interior and they're going to do it with a bunch of bodies and once they do that that's when they can get bedded on the outside so Zamir White's the number one guy, but like you said, this is going to be a by committee type of deal. Uh, he has 718 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, averaging 5.3 yards per carry, 65 reception yards, no receiving touchdowns. Compare that to our second best back, 
Blake Corum, who's just below him at 685, uh, just under his 10 with nine touchdowns, but he averages 7.3 yards per and also, you know, better as a receiver with 143 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. I say all that to say I like our running backs way more than theirs. Blake Corum's got more than 685 rushing, doesn't he? Uh, not according to ESPN. Let me see. I think he is. I thought he was going to push a thousand. Let me see this. Let me double check you. Oh, sir, how dare you? He has 939 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns. All right. How I was going to say, well, that's what I got off ESPN. So uh, shame SEC on me for. Biased. Yeah. Shame on me for reporting <laughs> it. Well, regardless, my point yeah. remains the exact same. If further, if even further home your point, I thought you were short selling yourself out here. Yeah. So our second back is going to probably break a thousand yards in this game already has double digit touchdowns and that's their lead this year. So it's a very strange Georgia team with that. And it's, it's even stranger. Like you said, on rewatch with Stetson Bennett, how athletic he is and he might be their biggest play, most consistent playmaker in space. Who's that? Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett might be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're going to get to Brock Bowers who we, uh, we discussed. Oh, a little bit excuse last me, week Mr. Bowers. Yeah. Jake, but, but yeah, it's probably Brock Bowers, but yeah, Stetson Bennett, Zamir white is, I mean, he's got some shim shimmy to him, but he's not like but some sort of, you know, jig, jitterbug type of dude. And then James cook is, you know, he's a bigger dude, but you know, like you said, they're going to try and do it with like a balance. And I, I don't see them being able to run a ton on our defensive line. I don't either, and that's been one of the most deceiving parts about this defense, or just underappreciated, is the job of Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton on the interior just clogging up the A and B gaps and allowing the defensive ends to cook. So I think they're really going to take it away, just like Travion Henderson. Expect a good, a really good Josh Ross game in this one. I think he really helps shut down and isolate things. And yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if they could run the ball consistently, because if you can take that away from this Georgia team and just place it on Stetson Bennett's right arm, good things are bound to happen. Over or under 100 yards rushing for this Georgia offense. Ohio State was under, but of course they throw the ball. I think I'm going to be respectful and say over, but I think under 150. I think over as well. I mean, if Stetson Bennett breaks 120 yarder, it's almost guaranteed that they're going over. So I, I think, yes, let's show some respect. A little respect, although we did say when we played Iowa almost 45 nothing, and we're almost right. So yeah. calm like we see it. Uh, so I looked up, I was trying to compare offensive lines and pro football focus, who absolutely loves Michigan and everything we do. Uh, they, they've got Michigan ahead of Georgia, but football insiders... Uh, there's a stat where there's expected uh, rush yards versus actual rush yards. And uh, Georgia's offensive line actually adds 3.1 yards per carry. And Michigan is at 2.96, uh, which is to say oh, Michigan has definitely better running backs. But they believe that Georgia has the slightly better offensive line. So this is a good Georgia offensive line. Um, but Aiden Hutchinson cares not for any of that. It's it's not a bad line at all, but they play schools like uh, Mickey Mouse University in Missouri and UAB, while Michigan plays UAB, Ohio State, Michigan State. So the SEC East was incredibly down this year. Their non-conference was a joke. Their best game was Clemson, who is seven and five, eight and four, a very down year for them. Programs falling apart, it feels like at the seams. So take that with a grain of salt. Like they are a good unit, but I would take Michigan's ten times out of ten over them with the competition they played. What are we setting the over under for uh, sacks by this Michigan defense? Three and a half? 
Three and a, I was going to say three and a half exactly. I think they play it like they do Stroud. Don't get too far up the field and take away running lanes. I like it. Three and a half it is. Um, and Brock Bowers. We got to talk about Brock Bowers. Uh, like we talked about him last week. This dude is, uh, he could be like the next generational thing. Like he's, he already looks like Rob Gronkowski. He's big. He's fast. He's their leading receiver. And he's going to be a problem. Um, Dax Hill, you know, if you were talking, singing his praises earlier, if he wants to prove that he can hang with NFL tight ends, well, I mean, that, that tape against Brock Bowers is going to go a long way in proving that. Yeah, and there are some Dax Hill rumors with COVID out there. We can't confirm any of them. So just monitor Dax Hill, you know, see what see what's going on, and we'll see if he plays or not. But even then, it could become a big Rod Moore, Brad Hawkins, R.J. Moten assignment. But Jake Butt hit it best last week on the podcast, saying you have to get them off schedule and hit him at the line of scrimmage with Ojabo, Morris, Hutch, Colson. Got to make him uncomfortable, get him in space. And when he has the ball, you got to make him pay for it. He's their leading guy on the season, and you just have to be physical with him, and you can't let him bully you. A lot of that is going to be, uh, you know, contingent on the the pressure getting there quickly as well. You know, you don't want Stetson Bennett to be able to hang back there and just wait for him to get open across the middle. So if if he has to get rid of it in a, a second and a half, two seconds, I think that bodes well. It's going to be hard for him to to get a connection going with Brock Bowers or uh, Lad McConkey, the other freshman receiver, which uh, great name. Definitely sounds like a pub somewhere in like the countryside of England, Lad McConkey's. I'd, I would definitely go there, order a ton, pint of the dark stuff. Several, but, several pints. <laughs> several pints of the dark stuff. But no, it's going to be, and that's the beauty about this Michigan defense, is they have two elite pass rushers that can get home. So even if one has responsibility with Bowers, like early on with just hitting him, getting him off the line of scrimmage, slowing him down, chipping him, whatever it is. But also with Bowers, he's going to be used as a blocker more in this game because of the edge rushers of Michigan. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right with that. And I mean, we've got some other guys like Jalen Harrell and uh, Mike Morris as well. So, I mean, we're going to rotate guys and we're going to keep coming after it. So Bauer's going to have his hands full as well. Um, wanted to touch on the special teams because um, this could be a game. I see this as a low scoring game. We'll get to our predictions here in a second. I think special teams is going to be big in this game. I think so, too, and that bodes really well for Michigan, featuring a Lou Groza Award winner and Jake Moody and the guy who can do no wrong in our eyes this season, special teams coordinator and tight ends coach, Jay Harbaugh. I trust Jay Harbaugh with every fiber of my being, but uh, they have a pretty good kicker, Jake Polden's knee. I don't know. I have no idea. I apologize, <laughs> sir. But he's 17 of 21 on the year. Um, he's He's been accurate for them. Um, I could see field goals really, really coming into this as well. And uh, yeah, Michigan's going to have something on special teams. I, I just got a feeling they've they've we've seen it before. Jay Harbaugh, he's a very creative guy. I think there's going to be a wrinkle in this game. There will be a special teams play to turn this game one way or the other. I firmly believe that from punt returns to kick returns to blocked punts, field goals, there'll be something. And field position will be everything in this one. It's an old school clash of just powerhouse Titans. So punting the ball is important with Brad Robbins, pinning them deep, making them go all the way. Same thing for Michigan. You want to keep Jordan Davis on the field when you have the ball and make 90, 80, 70 yard drives together, 15 play drives. So field position and attrition are going to come into play in this one with the special teams. Yep, absolutely. And once you start to do that, expect them to take some shots in this game. We both see it coming that way. And even if they're not connecting early on, I think they'll keep keep going to that, keep finding creative ways to get Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum the ball. 
instead of trying to run directly at Nicobe Dean and Tyndall and those guys. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a tall task, but it's one that I think we're more than up to. Um, all right. I want to go through this real quick before we get to players of the game and prediction. Who has the offensive advantage? Michigan. I believe their offense is more explosive, more 40-yard plays, more ways to attack opponents, and just a deep, deep bag of players to worry about. Donovan Edwards, Corum, Haskins, Sainerstil, all, Schoonmaker, tons of people to make plays, way more spread out when Georgia's offense is more Stetson Bennett, a running back, and Brock Bowers. I agree, and I would say it's Michigan by a pretty wide margin on that one. Uh, what about defense? I'm going to give it to Georgia because of N'Kobe Dean and what he can do to a field. And Michigan has struggled with fast linebackers this season. The Indiana backer even gave them some problems. Wisconsin was in there. And I say problems relatively. Like, they didn't completely shut him down. You know what I'm saying there. But Dean is a stud. Davis is still a stud in bursts, if that. But he'll be the best defensive tackle they've faced all season by far. So I'll give them a slight edge just because of that but they've also only played one offense Michigan played the best offense in the country and held them to 27 I agree and I also agree with your secondary point that it's not by as wide of a margin what about coaching Jim Harbaugh baby AP coach of the year I'm going right to him I think that he has he has his finger on the pulse of this team he knows their thoughts he knows how they feel I think they are a completely just like in sync group together like they think what he's thinking he thinks what they're thinking they completely believe in what he has to offer and they're not backing into this game Georgia's kind of backing into it after that like embarrassing loss to Alabama so I think there could be some issues there I don't know we'll see how they respond but I'm not picking against Jim Harbaugh I did it last year and I learned my lesson of course. What are we doing here? Of course, <laughs> the advantage goes Michigan. We've got the AP coach of the year. We got the Broyles winner. We got the Joe Moore, you know, offensive line of the year. Sharon Moore is absolutely incredible. Michigan by a wide margin coaching. His name is Kirby. You think I'm going to pick a guy named Kirby over Kirby. James Harbaugh? Kirby. Get out of here. <laughs> no. Weak energy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, just like you said, landslide and also the fact that Georgia's defensive coordinator is thinking about two jobs right now. I'm with you. Yeah, pretty wide margin on coaching. So all that being said, players of the game and predictions. Players of the game uh, defensively, I'm going to go with like, are, is Hutch disqualified or are we just mm, I mean, it is the playoffs. Do your it, thing. It, it is. I'm, I'm still going to you know go away from it. I'm going to go Josh Ross on defense. I think he's going to be very pivotal stopping the run and really hitting Brock Bowers. And offensively, I'm going to go with Andrew Vastardis. Let's I'm, go. My guy, the six-year player who's seen three presidents at this time, anchored the Joe Moore award-winning group. I think it's going to be a tight game, sluggish start on both ends. I think it's going to be a little slow, teams shaking off the rust, maybe 0-0 first quarter, feeling each other out. Michigan's been a little slow starting, and I think the second half, it opens up for both teams. I think the fourth quarter, you see a 21-21 game. I think Michigan adds a touchdown to Son Haskins, Blake Corum, with about eight minutes to go. I think Georgia gets the ball, can't answer. Jake Moody salts it away with a field goal with about two minutes to go. Michigan wins 31-21. I love it. The man's over there throwing heat, people. Warm, just just warm, Randy Johnson hitting birds right now. Let's warm go. your fingers on the heat of this man's <laughs> proclamations. Uh, dude, I see it. I see it very similarly. Uh, for players of the game on offense to mix it up. Um, how about a Blake Corum day? 
You know, I ride with him a lot. He's been my dude. His ankle is back to 100%. So they've got him as an option, I think, as both a receiver. He wants to redeem himself for some of the drops he had right before he went out with an injury. And, uh, you know, he wants to go on a good note here, too, as well, after being, uh, you know, kind of absent there for a little bit towards the end of the season. So give me Blake Corum on offense. On defense, I love your your Josh Ross pick. I'm going to stay. Well, if we don't know about Dax Hill yet with the, the COVID thing, so I'm going to avoid that. Um, but if Dax Hill is in, I, I expect him to play a huge role in, in stopping Brock Bowers. Um, so give me on defense. Who? All right. Give me um, give me give me DJ Turner. You mean the highest graded pass defender in college football? The very same. Yes. Uh, we are big DJ Turner proponents here. He's just come on like gangbusters in the second half of this season. Um, I don't know who he'll be matched up with. I guess it's Lad McConkey. And if you expect me to pick a guy named Lad McConkey over DJ Turner, you came to the wrong podcast because I'm not <laughs> going to do it. Take your English bar out of here. DJ Turner has no time for it. I think we're going to be able to run the ball. I think that we're going to get the ball to our guys in creative ways, and there's going to be a few explosive plays. Um, but we're going to get bogged down a couple times because that defense is too good. I just don't see a world where we're able to to score at will like we have in the past. We're going to have to punt it. So, uh, you know, field position and special teams are going to be absolutely huge in this. I see it a little bit lower scoring, though. Uh, I think Michigan is able to get into the end zone thrice, and then we add a little Jake Moody love on top of it for 24 points. And uh, I see it being a defensive stop there towards the end. I think uh, uh, we, we just count on our defense to win it. Aiden Hutchinson with a big play or maybe Ojabo, who loves coming on towards the end of the game, making big plays in big, big time positions. And Michigan salts it 21-17 or excuse me, 24-17, 24-17. I don't think my I don't think my little heart's ready for a close game though in the fourth quarter. It's been a while for a really close yep. one. Like Ohio State was two touchdowns and it felt like a point the whole way through. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I was still like biting my finger fingernails off there with two touchdowns. I was like, this is not enough. What does a win here mean for the Michigan program? Is it just extra superlative, or is the fact that they're making a national championship appearance in the playoff just like it just it's something we can't even fathom right now? Like, what does it mean? I believe that, you know, we say we're, we're playing with house money, but that's not exactly true, is it? This is huge for the program. And to get that ability to go one step further, it's just one more week of exposure. You know, kids, recruits are very much, what have you done for me lately? You know, they do not remember Charles Woodson at the program. They, they want to see results right now. And I mean, at this point, we are two wins away from a national championship. Um, you know, to quote uh, Tom Berenger in Major League, win the whole effing thing. <laughs> this we're, we'll we'll get into some talk later, but this has team of destiny feel because Michigan can either vanquish the entire SEC or they can vanquish the entire state of Ohio. So Ooh. a lot is on the line for this team and what they can accomplish. And like you said, there there are some there are champagne problems that I mean we could be popping bottles in Indianapolis. Andy, we're going to be popping bottles in, in Indianapolis. Michigan is beating Georgia. Michigan is beating Georgia. Speak it into existence. Get all your rituals ready. Get all the family out of the way. Don't be distracted by New Year's Eve. It's going to be 2022. Big deal. Lock in on the game, people. Yeah, I'll be watching this one with my lady for the first time. So uh, she's going to learn. She's going to see a different side of me that evening.
Hope she's ready for that energy and us making frequent phone calls and messages back and forth. You better be ready for it. Well, like I said, she's going to figure it out real quickly because that's how we do things. <laughs> that's how we do things here, man. But, man, this is so exciting, brother. Let's let's enjoy these moments while we got them because Michigan's in the playoffs. These are the good times, my friend. All right, brother, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, especially in championship week, go blue.